welcome to Nobody Asked Us, where two friends try to figure out the things that fascinate, annoy, and baffle us. So join me, Rachel. And me, Sanaz. As we delve into all the things that nobody asked us about, but we really wanted to share. So we are doing part two of our two-part series on... (laughs) The other half. Yeah, just the second half of our series on (laughs) Succession, which is a show that, I mean, we can't stop talking about, but that seems to be a pretty common thread in the broader culture of people who watch Succession. Uh, So we did our first episode on the writing and the characters, why those are so resonant and discussion-worthy. And so we are going to talk about the elements of drama and style in this episode. We're going to talk about costuming, sets, staging. So anyway, this is Sanaz's wheelhouse. (laughs) It is. When we talk about doing Succession Podcast, we both agree that the writing of the characters are just phenomenal. But I was like, you know, we should talk about all the other elements. You're like, what part? I just started rattling off like 10 categories. You're like, okay, you've got a lot to say about this. I love listening to the podcast, the interviews with the creators, watching behind the scenes and just seeing how it all comes together. And I think my love for this show has continued to grow as I realize how theatrical this whole thing is. Because mm. as you know, Rachel, I absolutely love plays. I And I just keep telling you, I'm like, it is very much a play. <laughs> Okay, so I'm looking for that. I okay, so let's what is it about plays that you love that you see in this show? So the reason I love plays in general is that they're often about people, emotions, dialogue, relationships, right? Like I am not a Marvel movie person. I Mm. don't give two shits about a make-believe world with superheroes and fire and shit. Like I don't. Like the razzle dazzle. No razzle dazzle. I hate that shit. I just, and what I love about theater is like, sometimes you go and you're like, oh my God, this is gonna be three hours, what? And it feels boring in the beginning. And before you know it, you are just wrapped up in this make-believe world of oftentimes like two or three people's on stage for hours. And I just like, you can be two actors in a chair and I am captivated. And I just think like, there's something about that human element, the relationships and this show to me, a, because so many of the writers are playwrights, like half of them are playwriters, but a lot of it is like the looks and the little comments and just the interpersonal drama. It's very much a play. (laughs) And I absolutely love that. That's such a great way to describe. So I was talking to a friend of mine about why I didn't like the Wednesday adaptation, you know, the mm-hmm. show Wednesday. And he was like, oh, it's it's very marvel And I said, right. And I don't really vibe with that. He's like, what would your ideal be? And I said, people talking in a dark hallway. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's what I want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And this gives this gives that. I mean, it gives other things, but this does give. Like, if you like watching, I don't know, Wolf Hall or something like that, mm-hmm. this is great. Um, yeah. All right. So let's, let's talk a bit about the structure of it and the, yeah. the play like aspects of it. So, as you said, the, the the half of the writers are in fact playwrights by profession. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing that you picked up on that just I thought that was really cool because I don't think you even knew that before you picked up on it 
right? No, and again, it was from the behind the scenes stuff. Oh, um, you, okay, yeah. Once, once I saw it was so character dialogue driven, I okay. was interested to see who the writers were. And it made sense that a lot of them wrote for shows like Veep, for example, right? That has such quick back and forth banter. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you see the back and forth of the dialogue, it feels like you're in the theater. <laughs> you're like, I can see two actors on stage saying this back and forth. And I think sometimes with... Logan Roy, because he's such a like Shakespearean actor, sometimes that comes through. He's like yelling and projecting. And do you know what I mean? Like he's mm. it's like he's in front of a live audience almost. Yes. Yes. He does have that very uh, stage presence mm-hmm. element. <laughs> so the thing that we're talking about is all of the things that you never consider that are choices. And once you go from that, there's a lot to say. I think that that's a very important angle to take on watching a show that's this layered and thoughtful. We've just noticed all these little tidbits. Like we're not like looking for hidden clues about the plot. We're just really interested in all the elements. No, no, no. Just the elements that bring it together. And you're like, yeah, that is the type of apartment they'd have. That is the music they would choose. Like it's, all the parts that bring it together. So why don't we start off, like you said, with the camera work and the, just mm-hmm. the way they shoot it. So I think a really signature thing that a lot of people notice is, you know, for example, there'll be a scene where let's say Kendall and Shiv are having a back and forth discussion, but Tom and Greg are also in the scene. Oftentimes the camera will just like go from one person's face to another and it'll like zoom in on Tom and then zoom in on Greg, even though they're not speaking, it's the point is to get their reaction that are all in the scene. And that concept mm-hmm. is called a zoom pop. It's just when you like zoom in really quickly on one person's face. And the, at first it feels a little disorienting, but the goal is to get everyone's reaction that is in that scene, which you get in theater, right? Because every actor that's on stage, mm-hmm. you can look at them and they have to act in that scene, whether they're speaking or not. And when they film it, it Ooh. forces all the actors, whether they're on camera or not so at that time, to be acting and to be present in that scene. So again, it it creates that theatrical kind of live component for the way they shoot. Ooh, I almost I mean I I, I almost want to break that down into bits. Like yeah, it 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 forces everybody who is there to keep acting their hearts out. Yep. Yep. Even though they could be phoning it in. Yeah. Um did you listen to okay, so this is going to be a little bit referential to recap podcast, but the uh the recap one where they talked about the episode with Logan dying mm-hmm. and uh, how it was all done over the phone. I mean, mm-hmm. such a choice. Mm-hmm. Such a, I, I think my crux of talking about what this show is, is like the choices. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many things they could have done, but they did this. And yes. it's very obvious. Um, the choices they made are intentional. Uh, they're not nothing is lazy about this show no no not at all not at all and the phone as you mentioned is a supporting role in this if you think about it because at the end of season three when caroline like the the three kids mother sold out their shares that was over the phone right that was a choice like they could have had that actor in the scene in the room right but they chose to do it over the telephone same thing with him dying so um, very interesting how they've created that drama, you know, when they're not even in person, which I guess is also to say like, these people are 
always flying around, always on private jets here and there. Like you would think a lot of dramatic things in life will end up happening for them over the phone. <laughs> well, I think, I think they do. I think mm -hmm. they do for everybody too. Yeah. I mean, you think about, I mean, during COVID people had to say their like last goodbyes to people not to get too dark, but over FaceTime and yeah. there's just so much that's, virtual i mean given how distant the kids are from their father mm -hmm. it's not that surprising so another aspect of the show's uh production that does add to the story and characterization is the set design the lighting the colors mm -hmm. uh it's very nondescript mm -hmm. i think it's it's notably nondescript yeah. In a way, I mean, if, if you've spent too much time in a gray cubicle covered office, it might not seem that way. But the entire vibe to me, the entire vibe of the show is to like recreate that, but like make it fancy. Yeah, I think it's especially their like starting with our homes. It's such a reflection of like people with money who don't really care, but have really nice things, but it's kind of blah. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, there's just not a lot of like attention or care, but it's like, here's a beautiful home and it feels sterile and lifeless, <laughs> you know? Like, oh, all the, places, the beige, the grays, like in contrast with the Pierce family where you can see like, oh, they have little trinkets from their travels and memories and things. Like these guys are like, it's gorgeous. Some decorator got paid so much money to do this, but it just doesn't have any personality. Well, I mean, okay, first of all, you know how I have a soft spot for the pierces. I yes. love them. They are elegant. They are textured. They, their random brother is not trying to run for president under, mm -hmm. like, you know, and maybe be a Nazi. He is getting his fourth PhD, and I support that. Everything that the Roys have looks newly constructed. It looks a mm -hmm. bit, it looks like the fixtures might be bad. Does that make sense? Like, it looks like the fixtures might be a little shoddy. <laughs> and they don't care. And that's the whole thing. It's like, they don't they care at yeah. all, but they're like bored with it all. Like, I feel like even before the renovation's done, they're just like, ah, whatever. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't register. It doesn't matter to them. None of them really have like a point of view, you know, on it. Like, even early on with Marsha, everyone's just like, the meal is lovely, Marsha. Like, it's, but just, what was she doing? Just kind of coordinating. Ooh. Yet another boring ass like dinner party with, you know, nice table settings, but there was just no life in it. Oh, Marsha is such a, by the way, we should have talked about this. <laughs> Love Marsha. I like yeah. hated Marsha because we're supposed to hate Marsha in the first season, but yeah. Marsha is queen. She's great. Mysterious, mysterious elegance. We want her more in this season. Yeah. Um, and I hope they use her. Um, okay, so the other, okay, so you're saying that it's, it's very bland decor. It's very, mm -hmm. it doesn't have a personal touch. It's it's people who don't know who they are, who yeah. are living in these spaces. Yeah, yeah. Like, even those apartments that Kendall was buying, you're like, does he care? Does he want them? How is he going to oh. decorate them? It's like, it's just, there's no opinion, you know? I think, and, and. I mean, living in New York as, you know, yeah, like it's all of these kind of glass box apartments. I think that this is a phenomenon across the country, but um, these glass box apartments, like mm -hmm. all of the new constructions are very generic. So there's this row on Central Park South 
and they're just complete like glass skyscraper buildings mm-hmm. and it looks like where they would all live like uh-huh. it's just like uh, you know it's these you know like how do I put this this is not going to be relatable but you know what they're going to smell like inside <laughs> <laughs> like they're either going to smell like Suntall 33 mm-hmm. or they're going to smell like a like the bay candle from Dipsy. yeah there's like a generic scent just because yeah. they kind of live like a hotel actually all these people like their lifestyle yes. is very much like hotel living yeah like i don't know i don't you have do you have particulars about like where you need to be like things that you need i mean i'm really into like interior design and decorating and like we talk about this it's like shift has mm-hmm. a gorgeous apartment but it's just like really like that's that's the best you could do with all the freaking money and resources you have. Like it's, you know, but like they don't yeah. care. Like it's all the same. There's nothing for them to get excited about. And none of them are like, Ooh, I went to this place and someone had a beautiful rug. I want a rug just like that. Like they just, they've outsourced all of the creative decision-making to somebody else. Mm-hmm. because It's just not even something that they want to like consume their mental capacity. with. And I think that the, the set design you know, was quite similar and like a good parallel to the costumes in general, because I think like some of their clothing and style as well, you could argue, like, for example, Roman, he always kind of wears the same thing, right? Mm, you you said shirt, he wears a, he wears a suit. He, he basically wears a, wears a suit every day for all things. And I think it's a good analogy for like his role in the company. Like he's kind of serious, but not. <laughs> Like he's always in a business suit, but like, what do you do all day? Right. So okay. what's your thoughts on the fashion? I feel mm. like you had a lot to say about a certain Greg's love interest bag. Oh, not, not the ludicrously capacious bag. <laughs> First of all, I really, okay. So this is the thing that makes me like really sad, but like, we're not the official succession podcast. I know we have a ways mm-hmm. to go, but I know so- they haven't asked us yet. They have Greg is a bit of an RVist. Greg is, a, we, we haven't really spoken about Greg for people who don't know. Everybody knows who Greg is, if you've seen it. Greggles. Well, dorky guy. Cousin Greg. <laughs> yeah, but adorable yeah. and yeah. Yeah, but explain the scene with his. So he brings, yes, he brings a, a internet date, a, an <laughs> app date to Logan's birthday party. Which is, it's, it's, it's a fairly subdued affair. It's like in an apartment. And she shows up and immediately everybody clocks her as, no, this person can't be here. Carrie takes Greg aside and says, who is this person? Is she a corporate spy? But really the issue is, is that she's tacky. She's a yeah. bit vulgar. And the thing that shows her off is she has this giant fucking tote under her arm and it's a it's in the very recognizable Burberry plaid and Tom takes Greg aside says I mean he's bullying him he goes well you've like you've embarrassed yourself blah blah blah. your date has embarrassed you goes Greg goes why he goes because she's brought a ludicrously capacious bag what's even in there huh flat shoes for the subway (laughs) her lunch pail I mean, Greg, it's monstrous. It's gargantuan. You could take it camping. You could slide it across the floor for a bank job, which is, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I 
cry that I will never be able to write something that fucking good. <laughs> it is so lunch pail. When have you last heard the word lunch pail? Ludicrously capacious and lunch pail in the same like speech. It's so good. Oh my god. The writing you can slide is- it across the floor for a bank job. I mean, we've said this on the last episode, but please watch it with the sub- the subtitles on because there's just so many little jokes you'll miss. Like this. Oh my when god. You read that loud, you're like, oh my god. I think this probably leads us in our discussion uh of costuming. I think they wear such bland clothing. Like they not like so. <laughs> One thing that came out of this show, a trend, was the the blank baseball hat. Yeah, yeah. Like the, like this baseball cap that like has nothing on it, but it's you know by is it by Laura Piana? Is that I don't know, the, but they had to purposely make it look like there was no label for the show, and then all of a sudden, black pace, baseball caps like took off. But it's become like a people read it as like a succession thing. Oh, it is a it is a baseball cap from Laura Piana. And apparently mm-hmm. that was the one they used on the show. It is $500. Cool. Um, so Sounds don't... like exactly something the Royals would buy. Yeah. Right. But you could also just buy like a plain black one. <laughs> yeah. You don't know the difference. But it's a it's a trend mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea of subtle luxury, mm-hmm. the idea of... we talked about this in the last episode too, like the old money idea of not showing off your wealth. That makes a lot of sense. But again, they are, they are new money pretending like they're old money. Yeah. They're somewhere terribly in the middle. They're like new money that doesn't brag, but also doesn't have taste. (laughs) Well, because they've been socialized into it. They're like, okay, we know what's vulgar and what's not. Mm -hmm. And you know what? So does Tom. I mean, Tom, I will have to say that, like, I don't even think it's that difficult to get socialized into that because I think that I've been socialized into that. And Mm -hmm. so if you like, it's like, you know, if somebody's showing off a ton of labels, it's like, "Mm." gross. Yeah. But then, Um, then, like, it feels like the antidote to that is someone who's not obsessed with labels, but then understands the value of, like, a beautiful handbag that's crafted really well and can tell you about the stitching. Like they have, yes. they don't have that either. Do you get what I'm saying? Like they're not showy. Mm-hmm. They're not they connoisseurs. Tell you what's good. Exactly. Yeah. Not posers, but also like don't have an eye. <laughs> they don't have an eye. They know what's acceptable, but they don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the epitome of the show. Like they, they, they know what they're supposed to do, but they don't know what they actually want. They don't know themselves. Yeah. Or Kendall's, I, this is what I thought was very funny in season one. Kendall was wearing, like, he bought the sneakers. He bought the, like, Lava sneakers to, like, wear <laughs> to wear to Valter. <laughs> Just, like, think to, like, the tech people would cool. think he's cool. Like, these yeah. people are fucking writers. They earn, you know, yeah, not that much money. <laughs> they definitely don't think your fucking Lava sneakers are going right. to be that cool. Uh, they just they're a bit clueless and 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 Shiv also shifting from her hippy dippy style when she's rebelling against her father to her pantsuits mm-hmm. her jagged she, edges yeah 
Uh, do you do you have more to say about Shiv's fashion? I, I love her kind of like season two, like emerging into the pantsuits. I I thought it was very classy, and nice actually. Mm. Like I was really digging her mm. consistent looks. I thought they were great. Um, so I've always, I, you know me, like I love a good business outfit. Well, <laughs> Not I okay suits, but I could live in business casual all day. It's my here's a category. here's the thing about us. Mm-hmm. That I feel like, okay, so I feel like the the actress who plays Shiv, Sarah, Sarah Snook, she has a very similar body type to both of ours. Yes, yes. Like a very like hourglass shape. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, I could wear that. Yeah, yeah. What looks good on Shiv, I'm like, okay, I, sh- I should try that actually. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can see should that. We be, should we be Shiv for Halloween next year? Just get some red yeah. wigs. I mean, my hair is almost red. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No. Should I just cut a bob? Oh my god, her bob is so fucking fantastic. Like oh, yeah. when she cuts because she has those loose, like long waves in the first season, mm-hmm. and then you see her cut it into like this, like just sharp boss bitch. Yeah, whatever. Bob, bob, boss girl boss. I love it. I love it. I hate. By the way, can I say I hate when people talk about Shiv as like a girl boss because <laughs> I she's just. She's just trying to she's just trying to play in the game. She's just trying to be. Well, one thing that Sarah Snook said in an interview, which I thought was great, was like Shiv Roy has grown up with such entitlement and privilege that she actually doesn't have enti- um, imposter syndrome because she thinks and knows that she deserves to be in every room that she is. And I thought that was fascinating. It's like, huh, is there a way to get past imposter syndrome by thinking like a Shiv Roy where you're just like, of course this is mine. Of course I should get this. Like, why wouldn't I? Mm. You know? I think that that's a very male coded attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And we should embrace it. (laughs) I deserve it. She's like, honestly, Shiv has helped me with my own confidence with this. I'm just like, yeah, I should be in this room. I should get this role. Hell yeah. The last thing that we wanted to highlight is the music and this will actually be part of my recommendation so we'll get into that as well but I find the original score by Nicholas Bertel to be the most insanely amazing like (laughs) intro music of any show and you know how usually when you're watching a show you like skip the intro I never skip the intro (laughs) for succession because I'm like yeah like I want to just get into that mood there's something about this song that just, I don't know. It's like, it's a feeling and you can't express it, but it's so sharp and deep and intense. And I think like nothing captures like the mood of these characters in the show as much as the music. I don't know how you feel about the score, but I'm obsessed with it. And I listen to it constantly, not even when I'm watching the show. No, the score is incredible. I get it in my mind in the same space as the white Lotus mm-hmm. intro score. And I kind of, all I want in my life is a mashup. Uh, <laughs> of that's all things. I want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't that's- love the white Lotus one as much. Really? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so creepy. I love it. Yeah. And this one is so ominous. Like the succession. It's so like the, yeah. like, the, like, ding, it's so yeah uh there's something about the way they use the orchestration like within the show like a lot of times especially the string instruments like the violin parts mm. as like parts of drama so like you know when they're i don't know 
like Kendall's stuck in traffic and he's trying to get at the board meeting to like oust his father. Like they use it in such an ominous way to create mm-hmm. more drama. So I, and I it's love like, how mm, yeah, yeah. You get you get cues from the music. I mean, they yes, they deploy it very well. Yes, I mean everything about this show is well made mm-hmm. and intentional, as we said. Uh, but. The music is, you know, I don't, I'm not that much of a musical ear. So, uh, I, and I'm not either. And that's why I think like sometimes when things stick out to me, I'm like, whoa, this is a feeling like this original score for me is just a feeling. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. you, I'm like, I'm not a huge music person in general. <laughs> like mm-hmm. my family would make fun of me. Like I would rather listen to podcasts and interviews and go to plays all day. <laughs> That's yeah, my, I mean, same. I listen I, to music I, when I work out. Like, that's basically it. And it's probably going to have some Spice Girls in it. Like, I am not on the forefront of music discovery. But anyway, I think it's beyond brilliant. So why don't we get into the recommendation? So my recommendation is a New York Times article called The Composer at the Frontier of Movie Music. And it's a piece about Nick Bratel, who composed it. And he's just a really interesting person. He comes from a very musical background Then he, you know, went and worked in finance for a while and then started to like get some connections um, to get back into the music side. It was basically around the time of um, the the financial crisis in 2008 that he decided to get out of banking. And his wife, who's a cellist, was like, go back to music. Like, this is what you love. This is what you're good at. And within five years, he was being nominated for Oscars. So um, it was really incredible just to watch the way he kind of pieces things together. And the, just the writing of that piece, like really explains his process well. And it's very, very well thought out. But I love when he talked about like he submitted, you know, this original score to Jesse Armstrong, the, the show creator. And he's like, I hope he likes it because I don't know what else to do with this. And Jesse just wrote back. I think the correct response is, fuck yes. <laughs> Like, this is just... Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. I love that synergy, too. Yeah, I was kind of hoping he'd say fuck off, like Logan Roy, but no, it was fuck yes, we're using this. So... um, Fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Should we do our best fuck off? Okay, go. Go. Fuck off. That's pretty good, right? Fuck off. Fuck off. I mean, I could do that all day. Um, my recommendation is uh, more generally because I have, well, I was an almost English major in college, and this is a very <laughs> English major. I mean, I just didn't want to take the required courses because they sucked. <laughs> yeah. No offense to what, that professor. What did you who major I, in in the end? History. Oh. History. Oh, okay, your history. Okay. I love history. I got my that. master's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know what? I know that you got your undergrad in econ because that's just because I asked you. Yeah. <laughs> and I got my master's in econ and I remember. So we've previously called ourselves economists. So <laughs> this isn't far from Yes. Yes. Who's more qualified, me or you? I feel like mm. I feel like me. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is so funny. No, because like it was my job title, but I was just a consultant. But I whatever. didn't even want to get competitive about it, and now you're making me. <laughs> I am making you, but I think it's really funny. <laughs> who phrases a question like that? It was so good. Somebody who wants an answer <laughs> has a joke in mind. I feel like okay. we're right here, Tom, right now. Like 
Wait, who's Greg and who's Tom? I'm the Greg. <laughs> You're Greg? No. no I'm kidding. I neither of us is Greg or Tom. No, no, I no. think we're no, we're, we're both. We're both shivs in the pantsuits for Halloween. Shit. With the I was gonna say we're both Connors. <laughs> really? We just, no, we Wait, just this hate. This is a good question. Which character are you? Oh, I'm Jerry. I mean, I'm Jerry. We're both Jerry. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we're both, we're both Jerry. Jerry. Let's be real. Like, yeah, I'm we're a, both Jerry. I'm not we're through both- and through Jerry. Yeah, but in that family dynamic, I think I'm Connor. I'm just like, fuck it, I'm out. Like, don't involve me. Or I could be Kendall. I think or I'm Shiv. I think or I'm too- Roman. <laughs> That's the brilliance of the show. You see yourself in everyone, <sighs> and yet they're all assholes. It's great. Yeah, I thought. I thought again, and I thought again. There you well, go. Well, sorry, what would you say? I think I'm definitely a Jerry, but I fear in that family I'm probably could be definitely become a Shiv, which I don't like. <laughs> like given those so, options, I'd love so, to be a Connor that says fuck it, but I feel like I'd be too like okay, get involved. So this you know? is this is the interesting thing, I, but I think that anybody could. So what the interesting thing between a Shiv and a Jerry is is it the pettiness? Like, what's the diff, or like the like privilege? Like, what's the difference between a Shiv and a Jerry? Because I think knowing Shiv- knowing what fights to ignore, like what to maneuver, like Shiv mm. can be a dog on a bone sometimes unnecessarily, right? Because of like emotional sway. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, okay. let's get to your recommendations and wrap this up. No, oh, we had so much. Fun so we here. can fight to the death on which one of us is a more legit economist. Let's go. So Sydney, Sydney Lumet, who I think should be pronounced Lumet and I don't care what he says about himself. <laughs> I do not care. Family. I mean, all these, all these people who like pronounce their French names wrong. No. Yeah. Should be Lumet. Uh, it should be Sydney Lumet. Uh, mm-hmm. He has a daughter named Jenny Lumet. <laughs> Jenny Lumet. Jenny Lumet. Uh, <laughs> uh, see, it's always worse. Um, no offense, Jenny. Um, Sydney's dead. So, uh, <laughs> The uh, he wrote a book about about the elements of filmmaking called uh, "Making Movies." Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's a really great book, and it kind of explains all of the more technical aspects and how all those the pieces of movie making fit together. It's really lovely. I read it years ago when I was an English major, actually. Mm-hmm. Can we keep in all the fun stuff, please? I think so, too. I right. think so. We'll just have a yeah. breakdown of an episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, no. Mm-hmm. Let us, let us, let, let, let them see the real us. <laughs> I think that's a wrap on our succession rants. We're just so excited. It's in, it's back. It's season four. They are not holding back at all they're going for it for this final season and we just love the show it's not even about the plot or what happens it's just about the amazing characters and dynamics so it's just we could talk about this endlessly all day and this is okay this will change in the next few weeks we will update at the probably at the end let's be honest because uh a bit of news sanaz is going to be hiking the The El Camino Trail in, in in Spain. Yes. It's amazing. It's a great journey for you. Uh, but most of the episodes we'll be posting in the next, what, eight weeks are yeah. going to be things that we've recorded before. So they won't be as current. But we will have 
an episode on the finale of Succession, which Absolutely. will be We'll do a yes. final recap when I'm back. Oh, I'm really stressed out because HBO, it's really hard to get it outside the US. I, I got to do some weird VPN tunnel bear shit or whatever. So let's British, see what happens. British people, British people do it. British, like, ask Jesse Armstrong. I'm sure you can just email him. Yeah, I'll um, call him up when I'm in London. Yeah, yeah Jess, super. look it up. In the meantime, um, I am so excited to release more episodes while I'm out walking. And you might even have some guests joining you in my absence but when i come back we will definitely talk secession we will definitely talk about the camino and i can't wait all right so can't wait for you guys to join us next time and uh see you soon see you soon until then fuck off fuck off (laughs) bye bye all right bye